Broadcasting live from the Wellness Wonderland, you're listening to the Wellness Wonderland Radio. I'm Katie, and each week I chat with the most inspirational people on the planet on how to stay inspired in all areas of life. As you listen, feel free to tweet at me, at Katie Dalebout, or use the hashtag Wellness Wonderland. I'd love to hear your aha moments. So grab your headphones and listen on the go, or cuddle up with a notebook as we dive in deep with authentic conversations right here in Wonderland. Welcome back to the Wellness Wonderland Radio, everybody. I am so excited and honored to have today's guest, the wonderful Lori Gerber, is here. And she is an executive for the Handel Group, which is a rocking life coaching company in New York City. And she's been passionate about personal growth for most of her life. And professionally, she's been coaching individuals and groups for 15 years. She's, she coaches clients to do amazing things in this world. And one of her clients, the founder of The Daily Love, Mastin Kip, is actually how I discovered Lori through Mastin's interview with her in his Daily Love Extravaganza. And their conversation about raw honesty and just so many amazing things got me thinking literally all summer long. And it really helped shift my perspective on honesty and how crucial it is in showing up fully for our lives. And it, it was just really cool and got me thinking. So having Lori here and being able to talk to her directly is just really great for me personally. I'm so excited and I can't wait to dive in deep on this topic of honesty with her more today. Um, but first, here's a little bit more um, about Lori, she's on a mission to change the world, teaching people to tell tr- the truth and pursue their dreams. She leads large groups everywhere from Kripalu to Soho House to she's a contributor for the Daily Love, Crazy Sexy Wellness, so many cool things. So I am so excited that you have stopped by Wonderland today, Lori. It is very good to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Well, um, I guess First, let's just have you dive in um, and just making sure I didn't miss anything. Tell us a little bit about you personally and how you came to this field and this career and where you are now with it. I know you had um, a recent change and just kind of how the Handel Method has affected your life and it continues I'm guessing oh, gosh, to Katie, that's too many questions at once <laughs> okay where should I start which one I'll start with let's see um I have always been someone who cares passionately about the world being better and it's kind of funny because the joke in my family is find your passion find your passion and I always thought that meant like a sport or an artistic thing or I don't know you know math and science, and I never, I really, it took me a long time to realize that having a passion of making the world better is, is a legitimate passion, <laughs> and, and one that actually is part of my lineage, and that I come by honestly, and that I've always been expressing in one form or another, uh, and of course, that's a very, you know, noble sounding thing, but it's also, a, you know, it's also very personal to me, because I have always wanted to be a happier person, <laughs> I have always personally been interested in answering my deepest question, which is, how do people get happy? Uh, And so I do it, obviously, in service of myself. I study that question. And then I also have very big dreams for the planet. 
in terms of, mostly in terms of uh, sustainability, equality, and peace, I would say. Those are my top three things I wish my children to experience more of as they grow older. So that's kind of a little bit where I come from. I found Lauren Zander, who is the person who invented the hand-on method, basically, well, I found her through a women's group, actually, and I actually found her through a job, and then got to know her through a women's group, and then eventually hired her because I wanted to shift my career, and my career was great. I was running a tutoring company, so I was helping kids learn better, which was like sort of the, the, my, my best thinking on what I could do to make the world better. Uh, but I was not fully inspired. So I embarked with her on a study of all the different things I could do with my life. And after a few months, she, you know, we really couldn't find anything that satisfied me that was big enough and exciting enough and impact making enough and true enough for me. And I looked everywhere. That was part of the process. And at a certain point, she said, you know, I think you're going to have to choose whether you come work for me or, you know, we stop coaching because, you know, I think you really like this. Wow, that's so cool. <laughs> and I was like, I could do this? You know, it was kind of a revelation. It was one of those manifesting magical moments where you're like, oh, this is what it's been leading towards. Oh. And so that was a very easy decision. Uh, a very easy decision. And then I, I had been running a company, so... I really understood a lot about how to run a small business. And so transitioning over to running a small business and life coaching versus uh, tutoring was not a hard transition for me. It was such an exciting transition because it was something I so believed in and I could now deal with the, I could now deal with the parents. I could now deal with the whole person. I didn't have to just deal with academics and just deal with kids. So it was a total epiphany for me. Yeah, it seemed like they transition. fit really nicely together. It was almost like that tutoring yeah. was really, you were doing pretty much kind of life coaching for kids in a way, and it was... Yes, and really by the way, that's what I started, like, that was kind of what I liked about it. So I, right. And I kept getting frustrated I couldn't have more of a right to talk about the things right, I wanted right, to talk right. about. So Lauren trained me, and then I, I got the right. And then in the meantime, within just a few months, she helped me double my business, get to my dream body, which I had never even thought was possible. She got me back having sex with my husband. She got my kids sleeping through the night. She, she basically just like sliced and diced and fixed my, helped help me fix my whole life. And just completely, just in every area, sort of very quickly Amazing. changed everything for the better. So that's part of, of course, why I was so interested in in teaching what she had taught me yeah so so bring us to the present now so that was how long ago that was a while that ago that was about seven years ago so I re- so I learned to be a coach I coached a bunch I built the company um you know the Handel group has a corporate arm which is really successful all over the world working in big and small companies changing culture you know bu- basically building honest cultures is what what our corporate division does. And then we have an education division. So we're teaching the handout method at MIT and NYU and Stanford University Business School. And so there's that whole arm. And then there was the arm that I was building, which was individuals, couples, families, weekend workshops, phone coaching, all that kind of stuff, groups. So built that for the last seven years. We're now going digital. So we're everything's about how we're going to optimize our technology and 
standardize and build. And so there's, so we brought in a great CEO about a year ago and an investor and everything has really gone up a notch, changed. So a few months ago, I actually stepped down from being president. My VP is, is now the president. She's a genius, PhD, technological mind, you know, like so psyched to build into the next century, uh, you know, in, in the, in the realm that we're headed. So, and then I'm, we're sort of formulating my role, but I'm still doing all the things I love, you know, coaching, leading weekends, training people to lead, traveling, um, writing, business development. So all of the, basically I feel very lucky aside from, you know, the ego of love losing the title. I get to keep, I really get to keep doing everything that I love to do. And then my TV show that I made with my husband comes out next week. Um, oh, gosh, and we're going that's to yeah. So there's all kinds of fun stuff happening. Tell us a little bit more about that. Tell us about the TV show. (laughs) So another big idea my coach Lauren had a few years back, this was about four years back, was, you know, through the Handel Method, one of our main concepts is tell the truth about what you really want, you know? Like, be brave enough to say it, even though it means you might be on the hook for having to get it. (laughs) Yeah. So one of my dreams is to actually impact the world, right? Not just my little groups that come talk to me, which, you know, I, I've been fairly good at maintaining, you know, the ability to talk to small groups of people and impact them and inspire them. Um, but about four years ago, it became obvious to me that a real, you know, the kind of inspired leader that I admire impacts, you know, many, many more people, perhaps hundred, you know, critical mass of people is really my dream. So we started pursuing television because television appears to be how one of our methods for how we, you know, reach lots of people. Right, right. And that has been an adventure of a lifetime. There's there's a bunch of blogs you can find about the topic that I've written, but essentially it's been four years of bringing alignment, you know, between my heart, my mind, and my body about that, working with my, you know, working with my thinking, working with my believing, working with my actions, I've been in and out of at least seven different projects, all of which have taught me amazing, amazing lessons. Uh, finally did make a TV show a year or so ago with MTV, uh, which was super fun. And then out of the blue, earlier this year, Dr. Phil's production company called and was looking for a coach for their marriage show. So they're do- they're creating a marriage, a relationship fix up. All right. They're great. Let me, let me say it very succinctly. It's a reality TV show. That's about couples. Should they stay together? Should they break up? If they're going to stay together, how do they fix their marriage? So it's a very, it's actually based on a Dr. Phil model of put them all in a house together, rig it with cameras, watch 24 hours a day and help them, give them exercises, give them, you know, sessions where they, they do group and individual work and then let them help each other. And, uh, so they, they wanted a co-host and I convinced them to use my husband cause he's a coach too. So we became the married couple coaching team, coaching the married couples. Oh, I love that. And I can't yeah. wait to watch it. It was, re- so it's coming out September 21st on A&E at 10 PM. Oh my so gosh. I'm so cat- excited. That's only like less than less than 10 days away. So yeah, yeah, so you can watch that. And then we're going to actually get to go on the Dr. Phil show the day before to 
to coach a couple and talk about the show and just because it's a it's it's a obviously a topic that's very near and dear to his heart you know helping couples make it work and or helping them break up if that's appropriate so that's the show and it was enormously fun to make and I hope to have the opportunity to make more like it because it's rare I think to find a reality show that actually helps people and this one did so that was fun Wow, that that's amazing. That I, I don't have a TV and it makes me want to get one and I'm going to watch it online or watch it somewhere because that sounds amazing and what a what a cool opportunity to really like you said target and help as many people as you can and that's that's so exciting. Um so speaking of relationships, I guess let's kind of dive in there. Um something that I was kind of curious about as you talked about the show and with your husband. So He's a coach as well. So do you guys, um, since your business life is um, intertwined, how, how does that work? And do you, what do you think about people working um, with their spouse or partner or someone they're in a relationship with? Is that smart or is that sometimes, like with anything, I'm sure that problems come up, but is that difficult? Would you suggest that or um, is it better to keep those things separate? It completely depends on the, on the people. So, you know, I was always raised warned, you know, don't go into business with your family. (laughs) And then I just proceeded to do exactly that every single step of the way. So, you know, and I have only good stories to tell. Uh, but I think obviously like in any relationship, if you're not committed to first having the mission be at the forefront and second, operating with integrity and third staying in, in radical, honest communication, loving, graceful, honest communication, it's going to break down. So same is true with, uh, with spouses or, you know, I was in business with my brother as is true in any work relationship. So I love working with my family. It, it, because I love working. (laughs) So the fact that I get to be around my family and, and my friends too, frankly, is a total value add. Um, and the truth is my husband and I rarely interact in a given day. We are in our own little offices, totally, you know, doing our own thing. So there's not a lot of, not a lot of potential for conflict. Although sometimes, you know, (laughs) I would say in my early relationship, I actually, Will was my boss in a, in a program with kids and that wasn't that sexy. (laughs) That didn't go that well. Um, and then I was his boss technically, um, recently and that went better. And then, and now we're just, he works for the corporate division and I work for the private division. So we, except for our TV projects, we don't really overlap as much, but it is interesting to negotiate, you know, like we're about to go interview with Dr. Phil, like, you know, when does he talk? When do I talk? Right, I can right. tell, like, they kind of, it's going to be Will Craig and Lori Gerber, you know, it's, his name's going to go first, he's, there's still, you know, a culture in the world, I think, where the man goes for, like, it, it wouldn't look good to America if I'm so the alpha, you know, and the way that it, the show is edited, it's, you know, we're very, very equal, if not, he's more alpha than I am, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it will be something to negotiate, but... I, I, but our mission is so much at the forefront. You know, we, we so much care about the same thing and want the same thing that 
that helps a lot in guiding resolution or negotiation about, you know, the finer points. Right, right. Cool. So relationships is just one of 18. And I know you know what I mean here. So the coolest thing about um, the Handel Method, which is kind of the next thing I want to talk about, is that um, there are 18 areas that you ask people to confront right away. And I'm going to read those off. Um, it's body, career, money, relationships, romance, sex, community, character traits, family, time, relationship to self, bad habits, home, personal space, learning, fun and an adventure, spirituality, and health. So that's the list of 18. And why is it, hopefully you could talk about this a little bit, that you work with so many at once? And how do you make it so it doesn't overwhelm people who are trying to grow in so many areas at once? I know you that you have people rate where they are in each one of these areas. And and if somebody has low scores in many at once, how do you coach them to not feel overwhelmed by that? Great question. Questions. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> so let me so let me first answer the the macro question, which is we don't tend to work with people on more than three to five at once. Okay. But we love giving that homework assignment at the very beginning. And in fact, we do not start coaching with anybody until they have done that assignment. So what that does is it gives us an incredibly comprehensive understanding of the human being, uh, which is, I think, one of the things that's, that distinguishes the handout method is that we dive right in to the, to the deepest place first. And we do not chit-chat or take a lot of time to get to know you because if you want to coach with us, you will have already taken a lot of time to get to know yourself and tell us about it. So it's the exercise alone people report is life altering because it forces them to really look at their whole lives, assess, see the relationships between the different areas and, and sort of decide what's most important to work on. And then when we can see, so we often contemplated like, let's just do a few at a time, but we keep scrapping that idea because it's so profound to see the whole picture. And we also make people give a whole bio. Uh, and, if they're, and if they're doing uh, one of our weekend courses, we also have them tell, do a long exercise about their parents and about all the things that have happened to them in the past that are striking to them. So we are starting from such a powerful place of knowing the person and understanding how they think and how they speak about their life that we can do a lot more good a lot quicker. So that's the logic in having people you know, kind of deal with that whole chunk at, at once. But then when it gets to the level of now uh, working with your thinking and working with your action plan in your life, we're only going to focus on three to five at the same time. And pretty much we're going to go with the three to five that you think are most important unless we see some glaring thing that you're ignoring, you know, and if you're ready to work on it, we'll recommend that. So that is how we focus and help people not get overwhelmed. And the truth is, you know, when we train a coach, one of the requirements is that they have their areas of life at an eight or above, you know, that they're rocking their areas of life. And we have found that that takes at least two years. So <laughs> uh, along with the other stuff that we train people in, and then of course there's maintenance, but maintenance and bigger dreams. But so, you know, so no client, we, no client would we expect to necessarily 
be able to get all of the areas of life up and up and up quickly, right? It's a process. And it's the process we think is the privilege of being alive, you know, not not something wrong, but just a process of designing is a beautiful thing to get to do. Mm, yeah, that that's beautiful. And, um, and I love that, you know, your coaches really have to walk their talk. And I think that that's so crucial. And I heard you say in an interview, and I couldn't agree more, you know, you don't want to take health advice from somebody who's not healthy and you don't want to take finance advice from somebody who's struggling with finance. And it really, I think that's really important and crucial. And, and I love this, this 18 part method. So I preparing for this interview, I did that little exercise and, um, rated all those areas of my life. And it's really funny that the areas that were the lowest, which I've heard you say before is obviously, um, where you want to start with people. And the ones that I gave the lowest score were the ones that I didn't want to work on most. They were the ones that I kind of thought, yes, like I know those areas aren't great right now, but I don't care about those areas because I'm more concerned with career or whatever it is. Like I'll let this ball drop so I can just juggle right. too, you know? And, um, and it's, it's funny thinking that if, if I was doing coaching and my coach would come back at me and say, well, that's exactly where you need to be in focus because that will help the other area that you're working on. Um, exactly. That's the other thing we found is that it's all holographic and any area you improve impacts the others. And there's certain ones, you know, like working on your body or your relationship to self, which instantly impact the other areas. So yes, there, there's some, there's some tricks and tips to the process. So how do you really do that when people really don't want to work on an area because they, let's say they really, really want to work on their career and they're excited about that one. Right. And, and maybe that one has like a, like a seven or an eight and, or a, or a six or something, but you know, their body is like a two, but they just have no interest in care right. on that. How do you help them? That's a dance, you know, I mean, because we're really not going to force someone to work on something that they don't want to work on. And so our job is really sort of a, a sales job, right, to try to convince them why it's so important to the thing they do care about. And, you know, we, I, I joke, it's like we're salespeople, we're selling people their dreams, you know, like we hear their dreams, we make, that's why we make them write it, because that's what we're championing, even if they're not. And then we're lawyers, and we argue with them. <laughs> so we, that's what we do. We argue with your thinking. So, you know, I, if somebody really didn't want to deal with their body or with love, which are two of, I think, the most important areas of life and impact all of the areas, I would definitely keep working on uh, explaining the importance and inspiring them with the importance and working with figuring out what, you know, because you you represented humanity very perfectly. You were like, well, I want to focus on these because there's an implication that it's either or. Like, I can only have one, not the other. Right. But after talking to one of our coaches, really, even in just a short amount of time, you're not going to be able to believe that anymore. You're just not. You're not going to – we're taking away your legs to stand on because we really do believe you can design a beautiful life in all areas. That doesn't mean you're going to be a stay-at-home mom – and be awesome at it and have an amazing career as an executive at the same time. <laughs> you're not going to do that. That's not going to happen. But you're going to figure out what's most important to you and take critical action on that every day. And that's going to make you feel really good. 
and you're going to move your numbers up in all the areas. And it's not going to happen overnight, but you're going to feel great because you're believing and you're moving your numbers up. And we're going to argue with you. Like, if you really think you can't have this because you're having this, we're going to argue because I can prove that you can because I've seen it. And then you're going to tell me, well, no, but my circumstances are different. And then I'm going to argue with that because that's what I'm, that's my job. My job is to figure out how it's possible, not how it's not possible. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that and that, that talking back and that, that being a lawyer and arguing. Um, I, I recently watched an inter- or a video with, um, with Lauren and, and she said she was explaining the difference between therapy and, and coaching and she said that coaching is you, you talk back and you have an opinion about, about those things. And, and that was really interesting. And I, and I really like you know with that part of the method and then also that you have to come already so prepared to the the weekend retreat or to the the session because it's so true and and it, it's great how you said you know it takes 2 years to happen but i feel like with when you're not working in the coaching setting when you're working in therapy it could take so much longer like like you know triple or quadruple that just because the whole first you know 10 20 sessions are really just that getting it all out and you kind of do that on paper before you get to the session. And I just yeah. think that that's so crucial. Yeah, we put a big emphasis on written homework, which is a big difference from therapy. So, I mean, the first of all, it prepares the coach to coach, right? So you're right. Not, it's not about, it, you know, there is plenty of expressing your feelings in a coaching session, but th- that's not what it's about. It's, it is about getting a person to a point of action and decision and then implementing it in real life in physical form such that you get results. Yeah. So I, mean, I agree that it's faster. We, I, I think therapy is appropriate for a lot of things. A lot of people come to us from therapy or in addition to therapy. And there's, you know, there are a lot of differences, but I love, I love our focus on doing something about it. And it's not like doing something about it for the sake of doing something about it. I mean, you really have to prepare to be ready to do something about it. Right. But right. that's the ultimate goal that we're headed towards. Yeah, I, and I love that because it's almost like in therapy, you're you're wanting them to just, well, what do you think? What, what should I do? You know, and and it's almost like to me, I love journaling. Journaling has saved my life, changed my life. I it's an amazing tool for me, and it's kind of like that can can be your therapist. If if somebody asks you the right questions, and you can just sit and contemplate that on a piece of paper, it's amazing what can come out. Yes. It's amazing the honesty you can get with yourself by doing that. Yep. So, and that's, yes, that's a lot of what we do. It's a good point. Ask the right questions. Right, right. So speaking of honesty, um, let's, let's get into that. Let's talk honesty. Um, why is it so important to happiness? And why does radical honesty, being honest even about the small things, make such a difference? What we have found is that what, pe- what, what has people really be happy is loving themselves and feeling free in the world to interact. And what stops people from loving themselves and feeling free is whatever they're hiding. Whatever you're hiding, you have to manage, right? It, it, it preoccupies us. What we are hiding preoccupies us. And what we are hiding makes us feel bad about ourselves, because if you're hiding it, you think it's bad. <laughs> there, there's a clear, in, or you think you're going to get in trouble. So you're either pandering to fear, 
or you're pandering to your your inner con artist, you know, one or the other. So, and, and neither one of those is our sexiest self, you know? So the, the idea of living an honest life is not that you blurt out every thought that comes to your mind, and that's something I really can't say enough, right? And it's not that you... It, 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 there is an art and a science to an honest conversation and, in, and to molding your life into one where people expect it from you. Because at a certain point, if you get good at it, it will maintain itself, sort of like healthy eating. You know, like when everybody gets used to you being the one who eats healthy, they, they, eventually they stop offering you cake, you know? <laughs> so it's similar Right. When you when you slowly but surely get known as somebody who's going to tell the truth if you have something that's concerning you or who's going to tell the truth about what you think or listen to and listen to the truth, the people in your life will stop gossiping with you. They will stop uh, being scared if you say you want to talk about something. You know, they will eventually people around you will get used to it and trained and it will much more easily um maintain itself as a culture. But we have found, and I have found this personally very strongly, that even when you're in a culture of telling the truth, even when you're, you've done it a bunch, even when you believe in it and you have tools for it, you still will lie. <laughs> you still will lie. <laughs> and you still will cover things up and you still will hide things. It's, it seems to be utterly a part of human nature. So... The best case scenario is you giggle at that, you think it's true, you catch it, and you eradicate the, the ways that you do it. I, I think it's possible. I personally have not achieved ending it completely. I still catch lies all the time. So I think it's possible to not lie, but very, very difficult. So I recommend people have a sense of humor. They go try to find theirs. They assume for sure that if they're upset, or incapacitated in some way, that there's probably something, maybe not an overt lie, but something they're not dealing with, something they're hiding, something that's out of integrity, and that that be a really genius place to look for an increase in happiness and peace of mind. Mm, it's so interesting to me and just just so amazing. Ever since I, I heard you speak about this topic the first time um, I heard you speak, it's it's crazy how it's so much human nature and how lying is just so part of us as humans. It's, is there anything else about that specific topic that you found that um, any evidence for why as humans we revert to that so often? Well, my only scientific study is my own children uh, <laughs> who I've been observing since a very young age and you know, kids start lying at a very young age because they want what they want, you know? And they do it with much more impunity than we do, right? <laughs> because they haven't learned yet they're supposed to lie and then really cover it up. <laughs> but, um, but they do. I mean, they, it, we're, we're animals. We're trying to get what we want. You know, we're, we're not that evolved. So we really try to get what we want. And then we don't tell because we don't want to get in trouble. And we still want to get what we want. And we still want to have the opinions that we have. Because we think our opinions keep us safe and powerful and protected from getting hurt. So it, it, it make, and then everyone else is lying. So it certainly doesn't make sense to be the one sticking your neck out. So there's so many good reasons. <laughs> there's so many good reasons. Right. To lie. 
Right. That um, thinking about it as a perspective of, of human nature and um, and that we're animals is just so riveting to me and just just so interesting. Um, my grandmother always says this, and I'm sure you've heard it, but she says, "A lie has no legs; it takes additional lies to support it." And right. it's it's funny how that is just just so true. You find yourself doing these things. And it's, it's been really funny for me in the last couple of months since I first um, heard, I was introduced to this concept of just, just noticing and being able, like you said, to just kind of giggle about it and be like, oh, okay, that's not true. Like, <laughs> and, um, and yeah, it's, it's just really interesting. And I think this will help a lot of people kind of take this and put this into practice in their lives. Yeah. And we also teach children to lie. It's not just that we that they naturally do it. You know, we teach them to apologize when they don't mean it, you know, like be nice to grandma. You know, we teach them to, and we, you know, we do that because we want to, we want to look good and we want to make peace and we want to not deal with conflicts. And it's a really hard, it's really a hard, um, I think it's a hard line to walk as a parent, you know, teaching a child to be great with people, you know, to be loving with people, to be, to have the kind of traits you wish them to have, even if perhaps you don't have them, <laughs> you know, which is yeah. kind of a funny, it's funny really, lie in and of itself um, yeah. while, while teaching them not to lie. <laughs> it's it's it, kind of a challenge. Yeah, it is. It's funny. As you said that, I, I thought of this like memory from my childhood it was like before a birthday party and I literally remember my mom like sitting me down and showing me how to lie like if somebody gives me a present that I already have like smile and say thank you and say you love it and you're so you know I remember that and and she was trying to you know to do the right thing and and in her mind and so it's it's so funny how how just as humans it's so ingrained in part of our culture and part of our life right and remember what we teach in terms of telling the truth is not that you say every thought that comes to your head. So we would never teach a child to be like, Oh, I hate this. I right, right. This, you know, but, but to not go against their, their soul, you know, you can say, thank you so much. That was so thoughtful of you. That's right. not a lie. <laughs> you know, right. I right. really appreciate you doing this for me is not a lot. You know, like there's a way to tell the truth and not hurt people. Right. Cause the, the goal is certainly not to hurt people. The goal is to bring human beings together and you, and then, you know, I would teach someone if they really didn't like the gifts they were getting from someone, I would teach them to go have a conversation about it because that really is a disconnect between people, right? And if it shows up, my rule, as you know, is if it shows up more than twice, right? So if I can just be like, oh, whatever, of course, I, you know, get some gifts I like, some gifts I don't like, who cares? It means nothing to me. Great. I don't need to have a conversation about that. That's assumed in human culture. But if it keeps talking to me, like, why did my best friend give me something I already have? Or why did my best friend give me something I hate? Well, then that warrants a designed, graceful conversation. That's a perfect segue. Let's, um, let's move into that now a little bit about having those conversations that we don't want to have. Why do people put off tough conversations for so long and do you have any advice for people to just go for them sure it's one of my favorite topics um there are many reasons why people put off tough conversations i would say the blanket reason is we we are afraid of and uncomfortable with intimacy um but the darker side of that is that if you have a difficult conversation the other person gets to talk 
And we prefer to have that conversation in our own heads where we can manipulate both of the sides of the conversation and feel in control. It also means we will not have to face up to our part of the mess. Um, it also means we will avoid having to make corrections we might have to make um, or hard decisions that might be uncomfortable, like changing something in the relationship or changing something in a person's career or, you know, so there's so many good reasons to avoid that that moment of, oh, I don't know what they're going to say and I'm out of control and it might impact me and I might have to do something about it. And, and that is why we avoid them. Um, and then my tip for motivating yourself is that I can personally tell you that it always, always works out better <laughs> to have the difficult conversation. Even if a mess is made, even if there's a blowout, even really, even in those cases where there's a fight, we have found that the right fights are better than silence and better than you thinking you know how it is better. And then manipulating the whole, you know, we call it the whole puppet show because <laughs> when you don't talk, everybody else's pawns in your, in your game, everybody else's puppets, they're not real people. They don't get to say their piece, you know, they don't get to interact authentically and, with dignity in the conversation. So they're puppets and you're the puppeteer. So there's a little bit of, you know, that's not so great. So that, that should inspire you a little bit. And then there's a little bit of, Oh my gosh, it is so great when you actually do have the conversation, not just because it will most likely better your relationship, but it will make you feel happy and free. It will increase your confidence. It will give you more opportunities in life. It will make your voice clearer about what you think, what you want, and what you can have. The, the benefits are quite endless. And then there really are steps, too, that you can learn and practice that will give you confidence, right? And, and I highly recommend learning and practicing them with a coach or a friend or someone who cares about you that is not the person I highly recommend practice because that completely will build your confidence. Mm, that's amazing. Those are my tips. I love that. Um, so moving in, and more more tips here, please. Um, thinking about about young people here, and um, I recently had so many real conversations with my peers and my friends in my generation who are really struggling. Um, with balance, um, and you know, we grew up in this high-speed world of of being young and navigating ourselves through our early twenties. And there seems like, you know, when we look again at those those eighteen areas, a lot of the areas are are rated low right now because I think so many of us are still figuring out so much and um, still figuring out our place in the world. So. How would you, and, and you kind of already touched on this a little bit, but more on a specific level, how would you coach someone who is feeling deep overwhelm of where to begin and where to figure out their place in the world? Mm. That's an interesting question. Um, well, first of all, when you're creating your dream in that exercise, you really want to focus a year out. It's a good sort of container for designing. So that helps, right? Like getting, getting to an eight or nine when you're 24 is really different than getting to an eight or nine when you're 44. So we really are asking you, what would you like to have present? Who 
would you like to be being? What would you like to be having? What would you like to be doing a year from now if all obstacles were removed? So that way you're not writing a dream that's like your ultimate, ultimate, ultimate dream and then all of a sudden you're overwhelmed because you have no idea how to get to that. You're writing where do you, you know, in an, in a, in an ideal world where most people don't go from never having run to being an Olympic athlete. You know, like that, that wouldn't be someone's dream, most likely, a, a shift like that that's so extreme. It would be an amazing shift in a year, if you have no clue what you're doing, to have a really strong, clear plan about what you're doing and be on that plan. That would be make someone very happy at an 8, 9, or a 10. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's no truth about where someone should be. We're really just dealing with what would make you happy. Right? What would make you happy? What would make you proud? So now that, that I think answers your first part of your question, but not the overwhelm part yet. Would you agree? Right. Yeah. Okay. So, and you'll tell me if this is answering your question or, or the reason you asked the question, but regarding overwhelm, um, overwhelm comes from the faulty concept we have that we can do everything we wish to do which is just patently untrue and I can't emphasize it enough. We are not going to do everything we want to do. It's simply impossible in the information age. You could spend all day just reading blogs, right? Like you could spend all day just reading blogs on topics of interest to you. You could spend all day every day just reading blogs on topics of interest to you. So there's no way you're going to do everything you'd like to do in your life. So take take that addiction out. (laughs) That's first of all. Wow. That's Um, like, I would highlight that line if I was reading this interview. That's amazing. (laughs) But don't highlight too many lines. Right. Ah, that's my problem. So I have a lot to say about overwhelm because it's one of my favorite addictions. Oh, perfect. Um, It was my next question too. So this is perfect. Yeah. So the second thing is that what makes people happy and proud is not finishing their to-do list, which is also a common misperception. Which I practice daily. <laughs> I'm like, really? I swear, if I just finish it today, I'll be happy. Right. Yeah. It's I'm never so going to finish. You. you keep adding to it. So yes, yes. What makes people proud and happy is taking scary action. Like, taking that action that's just outside of your comfort zone on a regular basis in the areas that are most important to you. That's what makes people happy. In fact, that's what makes people happy and even reorganizes your whole thinking about how much sleep you need, how much blah, blah, blah you need, right? All that. Now, I believe in sleep, so I'm not, don't, don't take that the wrong way, but when we are not taking powerful action in the things that are most important to us, we do, we tend to go, you know, I need a vacation, I need a break, I need a rest, I need a sleep, and, and, and often we'll call that the problem, or we'll call the overwhelm the problem, and the actual problem is that we're not taking the on-purpose actions that would make us feel good. We take a lot of other actions, which is, in fact, a diversion on purpose because we are afraid to take the actions that would make the most difference. Crazy, huh? So best antidote to overwhelm is to take the most powerful, scariest actions that you're avoiding in the areas that are most important. Wow. Then the other areas don't bug you as much, and you actually start feeling better in those other areas. You know, it starts to handle your spirituality, your relationship to self, your community. Your, so it, it's, that's the most powerful leverage point, I would say. Wow, that's uh, really the other thing is that, 
sorry, one more thing about yeah, Omar yeah, is that you, you have to also see how it is in your family and have a sense of humor about that you may have an addiction, right? You may have a trait or you may have an addiction. You may have a pattern, whatever you want to call it, that you're playing out really unconsciously. And the more you can understand that you are playing something out, that this is something that you learned, the more power you can have in stopping it. And our favorite way to stop something is with promises and consequences. So I have a promise that I am with my kids uninterrupted from 6.30 to 8.30, no, no work screens, you know? So I, you know, I have, a, I have a control on my desire to keep working on my to-do list. I have a, I have a design for balancing my life. And, and, and I, I have a designed bedtime as well, right? So I'm, I'm not allowed to work till all hours of the night, right? I'm not allowed to forsake my marriage. I'm not allowed to not have sex with my husband. I'm not allowed to not have uh, time off on the weekends, right? I, to rest. So I, I'm really not allowed to get very overwhelmed because of how I've designed my life. Wow, wow. That Does that was, answer your question? Oh my gosh, um, amazingly and... It really was eye-opening for me. I can't wait to re-listen to this and just sink this in a little bit more because I'm so glad I'm recording because I realized that I, just to get really honest, I'm definitely addicted to overwhelm. And it's something I'm really, um, on a personal note, struggling with. And, um, and it was really cool to see that perspective. It's almost like, and this is something I want to ask and clarify with you a little bit, so... With with that, when you were talking about the tasks and um, the to do list, like like for me, you know, I'm a I'm a big list person. I always have been, and and you know, sometimes I'll start making my list, and it's like, edit the video, take out the trash, um, you know, go to the store, buy lemons, whatever, you know, simple things. And then it's like, check your car, and then it becomes like, why do I even have a car? I want to live in New York City, and I don't need a car, and you know, it's like all of these things, like. It, the the to do list can just expand and expand and expand until it's like huge and and really the o word overwhelming and um and how do you do you have any advice like for me something I struggle with is when the to do list is long but a lot of them are really short simple tasks um but because it gets so long it becomes daunting as a whole and time consuming as a whole and. I just sometimes don't know where to start. And so if yeah. I start with the things that are not as important. Yeah. Um, and yeah. do you have any advice there? Yeah, this is just such a juicy and long topic. Um, repetitive things that you're always accountable for go in your calendar with an alarm on a, a current, reoccurring basis. So you, the, if you want your mind to be clear and focused, you must take negotiations about what you're supposed to be doing out of your mind. A list is great, but a list is really a recipe for being overwhelmed. A list should really be where you just capture your ideas. Like you're like, Oh, Oh crap. I forgot. I'm supposed to get my car checked every six months. Or although if you designed it, you wouldn't forget that. Cause you know, I even have renewing my passport in my calendar on a recurring basis. <laughs> you know, like it reminds me every whatever, how many years, because I never want to have to remember to renew my passport. I want my calendar to remember that. You see what I mean? Like, right, I don't want right. to have to remember to keep my marriage intact. My bedtime remembers it. Do you see what I mean? Totally. I don't want my kids to have to remember how much screen time they have. It's written on a note in front of the screen. <laughs> so yeah. 
I don't want to have to remind them. I want the note to remind them. So Because I don't want it to be in anyone's mind taking up space. Right. So lists are not all that healthy if they stay as lists. They need to go into your calendar. And when you put them into your calendar, what happens is you have to face that some things don't fit. And, that, and then you have to get creative. But your things might actually fit. We don't know until we try to put them into your calendar. So anything like meal preparation, shopping, laundry, chores, check car maintenance, um, plugging in your cell phone, uh, talking to your mother, uh, talking to your friends, exercise, sleep, um, meditation, all the things that are just crucial to having a balanced, healthy, wonderful, workable life. Go in your calendar on a recurring basis, taking up time. Then you can see the rest of the time. And the rest of the time is for your highest leverage actions of your most important dreams. And then you fill in time for that. And then you follow your schedule. <laughs> what do you think? Wow, I, I love that. That's, that's amazing. So getting to the practical of that a little bit. So would you say, so somebody who myself let's just be real here so who is a list maker and makes these lists and then they overwhelm me um how should I is a first action item really to take what would be a list and plug it in in calendar form and schedule all those things that are reoccurring is that kind of a first step that would be the first step reoccurring all of the musts either a must because you emotionally need it to be a must or a must because it's a must to having your life be workable Though even those are sometimes negotiable. I mean, at a certain point in my life, laundry became somebody else's job and cleaning became someone else's job, but childcare is still my job and cleaning up for dinner is still my, you know, I mean, I still have certain jobs, but there's, of course, there's delegating jobs, but filling in everything that you know you're going to do and you have to do, you put it in your calendar, you set an alarm, you don't have to remember or wonder if you're going to do that thing because it's designed. So yes, I would say that is the first step to starting to get yourself less overwhelmed. And then by the way, once you really do, I mean, if you look at my calendar, even a month out, there's not a lot of empty spots, but I have a rule that I have to leave two hours in my work day. Uh, On Sunday night, I look at my work week and there has to be two free hours in each day. That's a promise I have. Why do you think I have that? For those design your dream time to put to put that in um no the stuff that's my most important dream stuff is already scheduled oh okay like you know business development is scheduled important conversations with gatekeepers are scheduled meetings to design the future are scheduled all that all the stuff that's sort of forwarding my dreams is scheduled into my day because I'm in I'm in the place where I know what that is if you're not in the place where you know what that is then you schedule time to figure it out um so that those gaps, that two-hour gap that I have when I look at my calendar on Sundays, I, I'm saying the Sunday part because as of Monday, I start filling it in. Because that's if someone asks me for an interview, if I need to do a quote, if I have an, you know, if I, if someone has an emergency, if somebody has to change from one day to the other, all that gives me the flexibility to, you know, people go, well, you can't schedule your whole life, right? You're right. right. You can't. Things change. People change. Plans change. Things are needed. You get interrupted, you get, you know, your kid's babysitter can't come that day, whatever. So there, there's the, the rigor of the design and then there's the flexibility of, of being able to move stuff and add stuff. Wow. Wow. That, that is so eye opening and helpful for me. Thank you. And 
thank you for having those those two hours every day because that's why we're here right now. <laughs> so, exactly. Amazing. Um, wow, that that's really great. And this time has literally flown by in like the snap of a finger. I looked at the clock and I was just like shocked what time it was. Um, but I guess just to wrap up a couple, I want to get personal with you a little bit. Um, I could talk to you for days and days and days, but um, I guess could you walk us through um, kind of the way you've designed your life now and um, what are the first three things that you do in the morning to set up your day and <laughs> why that's important? I don't recommend what I do first in the morning, which is check my email. <laughs> I don't recommend that. Um, that's my addiction. But uh, the first three things I do to set up my day. Well, the truth is my days are pretty set up already, right? Because I right. really do have a very clear mission and, a, and, and I'm pretty clear about what I want to do to accomplish that mission. So I mostly have meetings you know, I have a lot of conversations with people. I have conversations with clients, conversations with people I work with, um, and I get a lot of work done in conversations. And then I have work time where I, you know, support my client work, support all that. So a lot is already designed in a day. But every day I meditate or manifest. And every morning I design my day in writing. But when I say design it in writing, I mean more like what I want to experience rather than what I'm going to do that day. Because what I'm going to do that day is pretty much already charted out. So, and if I, if I have a gap or I don't, uh, if I have a gap or a cancellation, I can go to, then I can go to my list, right? But just so you know, if your list isn't in your calendar or can't go in your calendar or doesn't fit in your calendar, you can still keep a list. Just don't think you're actually doing those things. Right. Yeah. You can then you can go look at that list if for some reason you have a cancellation or, you know, extra time or you get something done quicker than you thought, then you can go to your list. But don't think you're doing that list. Right. What you're doing is what's in your calendar. Amazing. Oh, my gosh. This info is like so amazing. I'm so excited to put it into practice in my own life and in my own calendar. It's and, and by the way, my spiritual practices and my design practices change. So there have been times in my life where in the morning I would do yoga or I would sing at the top of my lungs or I would dance around the room or I would call a friend and tell her, you know, tell her what I'm manifesting for the day. So there's, there's no right answer about what your ritual should be in the morning. Uh, and then I, but I do always do a ritual at night too, where I say how I did on my design and I rewrite anything I don't like about how the day went. So I can go to bed feeling my wishes fulfilled, even if they in reality are not yet. And currently I do gratitude as well at the end of the night and, and I report on magical things that happened and I communicate with my whole community at the end of the night and I look for signs from God at the end of the night. So I do a lot of things at night actually, not in the morning. Um, but that sets me up pretty well for the morning. So there you go. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, so I read in your experience life interview a long time ago about, um, in your personal life, some shifts you made around food and your body. Um, could you talk a little bit about why body and our food choices um, is so important in our life design and any lessons um, that you learned from your own personal journey and kind of oh, where you are now? That's a topic for a whole other hour. Right. But um, 
Let me summarize. Briefly, yeah. Uh, body is this area of life that we really do have complete control over. We may not feel like we do, but we really do. We really are in a conversation in our head about food, and we are in a war with our hand. That's our little joke, is that the whole deal about eating and weight and body, it's really just your hand. (laughs) It's your hand that picks up the food and puts it in your mouth. Like, that's what's happening. So it's an amazing journey to take people through to really teach them integrity. We call it personal integrity, the alignment of your ideals, your thinking, and your actions your dreams, your planning, and your executing, or or your promises in our case. So it's just, it's a wonderful template. It's a wonderful place for people to really just see how much their minds win and and feed them crappy thoughts that don't help be consistent with what they want. So, so that's a, a great reason why we all pretty much always have people work on body because it's such a discreet place to see how you play stuff out. Um, also, obviously, when you're eating more healthfully, you feel better. <laughs> so it's just, it's just really helpful, right? And okay. you feel also tremendous uh, surge in confidence when you can talk back to your mind and pick something that feels good. It's just, it's so clear and I would say those are the, and also just, you know, people store a lot of their crap with in food and body issues. So when you tackle that, you're also tackling sexuality and you're tackling family history and you're tackling relationships and you're tackling relationship to self. And so you get to tackle a lot of, you know, people improve in their career when they take better care of their health. So it's a lot of bang for your buck. Right, right. Oh, and me personally? That's a whole other fun story, but I was just a complete brat, pretty much. I mean, I was afraid of intimacy. I didn't really want to deal with being present, so food helped me with that. And then I was just a brat. I thought I was entitled to eat whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted. didn't really associate it with how crappy I felt. Um, for me, it was like a feminist issue. I should get to eat what I want. And then the third thing was I forgot I had a dream about it. Like, I really forgot. I was like, no, I'm healthy. You know, and I just, I wasn't. It was a lie. Like, I, I thought I was healthy because I was eating Ben and Jerry's ice cream and there was tie-dye on the label. Yeah, I read that. That's, That's my right. joke. Like, I really did. I was like, it's got calcium. What's the pro- I'm a vegetarian. So <laughs> like, but I was eating eggplant parmesan and jello and, like, just gross food. But so I just didn't even, I didn't even realize. I was very, very, very cut off from the discrepancy between my dream and my reality. There you go. That's amazing. Um, Okay, so one last um, big question, and then I'm going to just do some rapid fires, a couple to to wrap up. But but my last question for you really is um, the name of my my blog, and as you know, and the show is The Wellness Wonderland. What does that what does that mean for you to live in a wellness wonderland? (laughs) I have no idea. What does it mean? I have no idea. Is that a trick question? It's like, what do you see in the clouds? <laughs> what, do, what does it mean to design your life in a way that you feel well and just encompass wellness? I, you know, I think it's an interesting catchword, so I, I don't know quite. It's kind of like when I had to come around to, like, life coaching. Okay, I'm a life coach. Right. Really? What does that mean? <laughs> so I'm defining what I think life coaching is in a very specific way. 
So, you know, to me, wellness is about personal integrity. It's about being in alignment with your highest ideal. So connecting with your dream, lining your thinking and planning off of that, and then executing accordingly. Wellness is also about, to me, a sustainable planet. You know, so, so for me, it's a personal crusade for myself and for the people I impact, but it's also, I think it has an exponential factor to it that we, that when we bring alignment and when we take care of ourselves, I would really put it that way, that it, 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 there's a shift in, in all of consciousness and that something better becomes possible for the world. At least that's what I'm hoping. Mm, That's a beautiful answer. Beautiful answer. Thank you so much, Lori. I'm going to wrap with just some super quick, um, quick fire questions. So just say the very first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. Okay. You ready for it? Yeah. Okay. Favorite color. Blue. Favorite day of the week. Huh. Saturday. Favorite hour of the day. 6.30. Favorite yoga pose. Wow. I wanted to say crow, but it's not true. <laughs> um, Honesty. <laughs> treat pose, maybe. Nice, nice. Good question. <laughs> Favorite fruit? Mmm, papaya. Oh, I love papaya. So good. So good so for the good. skin. Favorite vegetable? These are not obvious questions. <laughs> I think it's going to be broccoli. Ooh, that's a good one. Um, what's your favorite on-the-go snack? On-the-go snack. I am not on-the-go very much. <laughs> I, and I like food. I really like food. Well, then favorite thing to eat that you eat frequently? Smoothies. Mm, that's a good one. That's pretty good. And I get smooths on the go. You can get smooths on the go yeah, now. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, it's like, there's no excuse. Exactly. <laughs> there's no Fav- excuse for unhealthy snacks. Yeah. Favorite movie? A Room with a View. Favorite book? Oh, that is disgusting. <laughs> I have no idea what my favorite book is. That's okay. You can think about it. If you think of one, you'll let oh, me know. That is a torturous question. I'm so sorry. I can't. No, that's fine. Okay. Favorite <laughs> song? Oh, that's too hard also. I know. I know. That's okay. Well, All right. I, I love the song Blossom by James Taylor. Perfect. Um, what's the best advice? I usually ask that you've received, but I'm curious to ask you, what's the best advice you've ever given to someone? Figure out how to tell the truth. Hmm. Amazing. And it's also the best advice I've been given. <laughs> Works both ways. Oh, well, this has been so eye-opening, so helpful for me, and I know so many other people. Thank you so much for taking the time um, to be here and do this and be present with me and, and really honestly help me so much. So Aww. I appreciate this so much, and it was so nice to get to know you, Lori. Uh, you are very welcome. Please tell people they can learn more at handelgroup.com and please give me the link so I can share it as well so people can hear our, our wonderful chat. Absolutely. We'll put all the links below and I'm so excited for people to get in touch with you and learn more about your workshops and all the amazing work that you and the Handel Group are doing and especially your show. So congratulations again on that. 
Thank you so much. Bye, everybody. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. You made it all the way to the end. I'll be back next week. But until then, let's stay inspired and keep this conversation going. So tweet at me at Katie Dalebout and our guest with your aha moments from this conversation. And like the Wellness Wonderland on Facebook so we can all hang out there and discuss how inspired we are and how we'll apply it in our daily lives. And never miss another episode or post from me by signing up for email updates on thewellnesswonderland.com. See you back in Wonderland.